0: Hello, welcome to my podcast. I'm your host Medusa Asadam, and today we are here for a Monday movie decoding. Okay, if you're interested to see what the movie is going to be that we decode tonight, uh, then definitely stay tuned. I hope that you do. Okay, so to all the wonderful people of the planet, okay, so today we are going to be um, decoding Metropolis okay um this is a sci-fi drama um, and it was released in 1927 it says here that it's like an hour and 54 minutes but I the one that I saw was like over two hours long and even that um particular one or version I guess you could say um they there was still more like scenes that were taken away took an out and stuff like that that they couldn't find or they couldn't you know salvage or whatever the case may be but I say all this to say it was a pretty pretty long movie and I remember watching it the first time and it didn't feel that long um I think I seen it a second the second time I don't remember thinking about how long it was but I guess like I'm starting to realize um the length of movies that I'm watching because I have to like stop and like write things down and think about it and all that stuff like that. So, you know, the two in, two, uh, two hours and change turned into like probably like over three hours of me, like just sitting there, like looking at it and all that stuff like that. But nonetheless, it was a, a great movie. Uh, it made me miss, you know, um, watching classic Movies, that's what I used to do when I was younger in high school. I used to watch a bunch of classical movies and musicals. And, um, you know, my favorite I I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I feel like I have. But my favorite actress, you know, was Judy Garland. I loved her so so much. And I used to, I, I always just imagined that I would sing her songs and all that stuff. Like that, I loved her. Um, my favorite actor was Marlon Brando <laughs> um, but of course you know I also really enjoyed um, Vivian Lane I think her name was she was in uh, A Streetcar Named Desire uh, I also enjoyed Gene Kelly I could watch all of his movies uh, you know Donald O'Connor what else was there Oh, man, um, Debbie Reynolds, um, and which was really interesting. Her being in Halloween Town, I didn't even know that that was Debbie Reynolds <laughs> until like, you know, a couple, like, remember like a year, maybe like two years ago or something. I'm like, oh, my God, that was the same person. And I will watch Halloween Town. And I, it just didn't dawn on me when I started watching like old movies. But, you know, yes, I love, I love, you know, all of Marlon Monroe's movies. There was a time where I was like, I'm gonna watch every single one of them. Um, even Gene Kelly, I watched every single one of Gene Kelly's ones, uh, all of Judy Garland's ones. Um, of course there's like other people, but I'm on the spot, okay? I can't think really uh I can't think, but I I remember one time I had to do a project for theater and I It was like a, you had to put on a poster board, like acting and what it means to you and like your favorite, like people who influenced you and all that stuff like that. And I turned, I, instead of using like a, a, like a regular like board that you would get for like 10 cents or something like that, or 15 cents at the the dollar store, I got like the uh, science, science, uh, the science project, like folded cardboards and I drew a stage with the curtains and everything. And I had like all of the actors and actresses, like some of them were in dance positions. I created a stage. It was like a 3D stage. It was so cool. And, um, you know, I remember like after, was I, did I graduate? Yeah. I think I graduated probably like a year or two after that. And I went back to the school to, I guess, like hang out with, uh, No, we had to, like, use the space for something or whatever the case may be. And my project was still on the wall, and it was actually so cool. And I was like, oh, wow. Anyways, so I was a huge fan of uh, classical movies. I would say my favorite one, I loved, or, yeah, I could say I loved Meet Me in St. Louis. I loved Singing in the Rain. I loved... An American in Paris. Oh my god, Leslie Karen. She was just so adorable. A streetcar named Desire. I I, I liked it, but I didn't love it. I can't watch it too much. Cause it, it just for some it just it just did something to me. I just it was not necessarily embarrassing. I just I just couldn't do it. It was just really hard. And I think it is also because I had to read the book in high school and I had to play Stella. Um Whenever we would, like, do, um, (laughs) whenever we would have to, like, um, you know, like, uh, read the book out loud, she would, my teacher would have me read Stella, and then there was this, uh, young lady named Natalie who would, uh, read Blanche's character, and I, I was like, I want to do Blanche, because, you know, Blanche's character seemed so, you know, it was, it was such so opposite for me, and I tried it completely, like, failed, dropped the ball on it. So I had to go back to read and Stella, but you know, it was a really great dynamic, but that was the first time I think when I realized that it's just certain characters I just couldn't play and I had to be okay with that. Um, and so I guess whenever I would see the movie and stuff like that, I don't know, maybe it has some kind of like leftover residue from that, like, uh, I guess like embarrassment or just like, you know, realization or experience. I don't know. Um, I liked wild one. Um, what else is there? there's there's just some Lily, Gigi. um, what else is there? Uh, I can't think of any right now, but one day I will go over the list of movie, classical movies that I really enjoy. Oh, on the town. Yes, I love that. Uh, I think Vera Ellen, who's an amazing dancer. Vera Ellen, she was Miss Turnstile, but anyways, and I think I, I referenced that in one of the uh, episodes, long, long time ago, anyways, but this is not what this is about, anyways, um, so Metropolis, sorry about that, <laughs> okay, so, um, black and white, there is no talking in this, it's just music and subtitles or, like, cards, you know, like, that kind of tells you, like, you know, it kind of sums up what's going on and stuff like that, but it's just more so to me, the way that I seen it was just like really, it was, it wasn't, it was like the movements, it was like dancing in a sense, but it was like the movements, right? The gestures that the body language was, was the acting, you know what I'm saying? Um, And, you know, it was just so cool, like how you can do stuff like that without needing any lines or anything like that. Like, you could just create a whole scene and, and, and convey, like, a feeling and, you know, a conversation of some sort. Like, it was just, like, those that, the, the just the use of the body in that way. Like, although, like, watching classical musicals and, or just musicals in general, I guess, but the way that they would move their body, it was just so, like, it was so big and it was, uh... It just, it just was. It feels different. You know what I'm saying? And so, anyways, it it, it it's just so it was. It was just romantic, and um, back then. <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, so there was no like talking or anything. What was it called? I forget, Silent movies. Yeah, silent movies. Anyways, so it says here, the influential German science fiction film represents a highly stylized futuristic city where a beautiful and cultured utopia exists above a bleak underworld populated by mistreated workers. When the privileged youth, uh, Fredder, uh, discovers the grim scene under the city, he becomes, he becomes intent on helping the workers. He befriends the rebellious teacher, Maria. But this puts him at odds with his authoritative father, leading the greater conflict. Okay, oh, leading to greater conflict. Sorry about that. So, um, yeah. So let's 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 get into this. Okay, because I feel like <laughs> I've taken up too much time already. So let's see. It starts off um, with, okay. So in the beginning, you have a lot of like heavy, heavy music, you know, uh, machinery in the background, a lot of clanking and all that stuff like that. And they are using, you know, some of the machine, uh, the heavy machinery as transitions. Okay. Uh, with the background of this like quick tempoed music, it's really noisy and chaotic and it's really intense and it gives off this sense of urgency, right? It's like, it's like busy, really, really busy. You got to keep moving. And it, it kind of like, is it in a sense, a little eerie, you know what I'm saying? Like all that, all that machinery clanking, you know, just, just doesn't feel peaceful. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, it shows like, there's like two clocks, right? So it shows a person's shift. Okay. And then, it's like, uh, because, uh, uh, the people, I guess they work for 10 hours. So it's like from one to 10. And then there's another clock where it says, where it's like one to 24. I don't know what the 24 was. The only reason why I know that that 10 thing is important. And what that means is because, uh, Freder, he almost like collapses, and he's like, "Father, is ten hours not a is, is something like he says something like is is ten o, is ten hours not enough for you, Father, or something like that?" But anyways, so the whistle blows and then there's a shift change. Oh my God, this scene, this scene. It's just, it's beautiful. Not in a like I understand like in regards to the scene, it's not okay. You know what I'm saying? Like you can tell the, how distraught, you know, the people are, you can, you can really get a sense of the mood and how like just down and just really just like low, you know, the mood is, but it's just beautiful the way that it's captured. Like the fact that someone could be so creative and, 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 and have that kind of idea and then put that on film and then execute it. It's just like, oh my gosh, like much respect So yeah, you see like a herd of lifeless people in black. They all wear the same kind of black, like clothes, black hats, everything. You like, they all look the same. Like you can't, you can't really tell the difference between, you know, one person from the, from the other. Like they are, you know, they all just look the same and they just kind of march lifelessly in sync though right? Like they just, they just march in sync, right? There's people, there's, and it kind of comes across as a herb, like a herd, you know what I'm saying? And like you have the, uh, a run group march into the elevator and then you, and they're a little bit quicker, but they're still, they're both, they're still slow, right? They're, but they're much quicker than the ones that are coming from underground right? And they're leaving out of the elevator and their walk is just so like slow and sluggish and just, it's just like, they're just done. Like, as like, they were the people who were going into the elevator to go down, there was like, there was no, they weren't excited about it. They weren't anticipating it. It was just more so this feeling of like, they got to go, but they don't want to. Right. And then the ones that were leaving the elevator, they, it was just as if, like, they were just devoid of energy, devoid of, like, life and essence. And, like, you know, it was just, like, they were, it was just more so, like, a mindless kind of thing. You know, like, how zombies and, like, um, uh, w- Night of the Living Dead, like, how they was walking, you know, which is a really great movie as well. But it's, like, they were all, but they were still in that group, right? And they were still walking together you know what I'm saying? Like on the same, like with the same rhythm and everything, but it was just like, they were like gone, you know what I'm saying? And so like, then they were, the, the, if, if you've seen the movie, they're like in some kind of like a tunnel, right? So it's like, there's no, it's like the, there's like no other exits, you know what I'm saying? It's like one way in, one way out kind of thing. And so like, just imagine someone who's like right in the dead middle of the, um, of the herd and they decide, I don't want to go today. And then they, you know, want to turn around to like walk out the other way, the way that everyone's all just heavily, you know, moving together onto the elevator. It's like, you can't get out, you know what I'm saying? You can't get out. (sighs) It was like really tight. There was like no space and like, it was just like the feeling that I felt was just like, oh my God, like it wasn't a really good feeling. And it's, in big contrast to, uh, the upper room. But anyways, so the people descend deep down into the, into the, um, deep down the earth's surface at which they call the workers city. Okay. It's all concrete. It's all like, it it kind of reminds you like some kind of cell of some sort, Right um, there's no life. There's no, like, no floral life, no greenery, no nothing. It's just all concrete, concrete, uh, buildings, you know, and they're all close together. The floor is concrete. It's like, even the texture is all the same. And it's just like, there's no personality, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's all just like, everything is just the same, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, it just gave me that, like, I was like, not it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a cell per se, but it was just more so like, it was, you know, like when you go to the class, like at least when I was in school or maybe like even before my time, uh, but you, you can see like teachers now when they, you know, they decorate their classrooms and it's just so beautiful and so vibrant. Right. But when I used to go to school, at least from what I remember, it was just so like plain Jane there really was nothing, um, exciting about the classrooms and therefore it kind of like, um, gave you that sense that, that, that the environment gave you that feeling of like, you know, like this was not a fun place. You know, the only time it was actually really fun is when, you know, the, the, the toys came out or the, you know, you recess, right. Or like the paint and all that stuff like that. Right. But it was like the walls were just, you know, like a, like an off white color or like a yellow color. And it was just like so dull and all that stuff like that. And so, um, it was just, it really wasn't a place that looked cool or felt cool or anything like that. And that's kind of sort of the energy I was getting when I was looking at this, the workers city was just, it was such, like I said before, it was such a contrast to, um, up above, right? So it's like down below is the worker city and then high up above, right, is the club of sons where the lecture halls, the libraries, theaters, and stadiums, uh, were. And you can see how, um, just the, the scenery and the environment and the energy, I guess you could say was so different, you know, they differ from each other immensely. Right. So, You know, you had, a, uh, it's like I said, a young society of men in white, uh, watch other peers race at a place called the eternal garden. Okay. So it says here for whom every, uh, revolution of a machine wheel means gold, right? So it pretty much was saying like the underground is what pumped life or helped to maintain life for the, um, what you would call it, the, uh, club of sons. So the workers were in the belly of the beast, so to speak. Right. And as the wheel kept turning, as the gears kept moving, as the machine kept going, it gave energy or life for, you know, the younger men or uh, the younger society of men, you know, who were privileged, had more status and wealth and all that stuff like that. They were able to like play and, you know, run around and socialize and gamble and have fun and meet women and, you know, do all those great things, you know? And so, like, even down to the music, the music was like, it was, it felt so grand and so classical, right? The flutes were playing, you know, it was just really like, you know, it, I just, I would just imagine like when I was listening, to, listening to, it, I was like, this kind of gives me like some kind of like high society, right? Like opera kind of like energy is like, oh, this is so classy. Let me get my, uh, gold, uh, binoculars to see on stage on my balcony. It was, it was, like that kind of vibe, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so, um, yeah, it was like, and then they were outdoors. There was like nature all around them, you know, and you know, what's so crazy I was having this conversation with my kid and we was talking about the importance of trees and, you know, uh, how like the, he said how like the, what the trees breathe out, you know, is the air that we need in order to, to, to live. And then obviously the air that we breathe out, you know, is what they you need to inhale and to, for them to take in and, CO2 and oxygen and all that stuff like that. But anyways, when you, when I, when I think about it, it was just like, you know, having all those trees there, like imagine like just that healthy prana that they're able to take in and like to kind of help to ease the mind and ease the soul, right? Ease the body and, and, and like breathe in that really great fresh air, whereas opposed to the people down below where there is no trees, there is, there isn't nature, it's just buildings and machines and all that stuff. It's just like that, that air that they're breathing, how toxic it is and how that could do things to the body and do things to the mind. You know, it's just, it's really interesting. Anyways, so, um, there are women that are gathering around to be chosen to entertain master Fredder. So we talked about him. Okay. So the women present themselves while this guy, you know, like tells them to turn around and turn around some more or helps to put makeup on them to make them look uh, more presentable. And then, uh, master, uh, or I'll just say, uh, Fredder, he appears chasing after a lady. Um, he, you know, she, you know, taunt him a little bit, like, yoo or whatever the case may be, like, Fredder, or whatever she was saying, and, like, you know, she's hiding, and, you know, not running too fast, because, you know, he wants, she wants him to stay close to her, unless he could just get bored and just go to somebody else, right? So, it's like, uh, this little i guess a little game that they're like playing or whatever so he finally catches her and then he nearly kisses her when he's interrupted by another lady with a group of under or perceived as underprivileged children and then she goes to she says to the children these are your brothers and the way she gestured with her hands it was so dramatic and um it was just like really interesting That's when I first realized I was like, oh, wow, like those, the the movements are like pretty big, but, um, it gets, it gets better. It gets more dramatic, especially when, um, Fredder starts, gets going. And anyways, so what she's trying to do here, she's trying to instill a bond or connection between the upper class and the lower class. Right. And so it's, it's that, that, that compassionate kind of energy where it's just like, Although, you know, we're from down below, like the people up here, you know, they're still our family. They're still our brothers and, you know, we are all connected and all that stuff like that. And so as she's saying this, Freder is stricken by her. He looks at her, the camera pans in. And, you know, sh- you see her in all her beauty, in her natural beauty, right? She doesn't have any makeup on. She's not, like, dressed up like the, all the women that's around him. And it does something to his heart. <laughs> but then she's told to leave. And then you can see Fre- uh, Fred, uh, like, yearning for her. And he goes over to, to the guy that he's, like, talking to. Um, and he goes, who is that? And then, uh, he's, this, this is his quest. This, then this, thus begins his quest to look for her. Okay. So as he's looking for her, he ends up at the worker's city and he's, he is then watching the men at work. Right. And so when you see the scene, another amazing scene, they're like rhythmically, tirelessly but no matter what like they can't stop. So it's just non-stop movements of them like doing the same thing at their stations, right? This kind of reminds me of how when in order to keep the production flowing, right? I think I think the McDonald brothers or something they they introduced that uh that concept uh, that factory kind of like concept where one person is at one station, and then like that person is the designated designated um burger flipper, and then the other one is the designated you know fry person, French fry guy you know or girl, and then you know, and having having people like stay at their stations it's just doing one thing. Um, I think the McDonald's introduced that concept. I'm not really sure. Please don't quote me on it, but I think I heard someone say it or something like that. But anyways, it's just, just imagine like I I, for like a, probably like a week or so I worked at Amazon, uh, and I had, I stayed in one spot for like 10 hours, maybe even 12 hours, I think. And, uh, I had to like put people's like pack like whatever people ordered, I had to put it in the box and then tape it, put the, uh, put the labels and then put it on the conveyor belt. And I did that for like 12 hours, the same thing for 12 hours. My back was hurting. Oh my goodness. Like people who do stuff like that, like it, I just... I could not, I could not, I kid you not. Like it's, it's, I commend people who are able to like, just they, and then there's been people who's been there for years. Right. And they were able to, you know, level up and all that stuff like that. But even in that week, um, the person came up to me, although I was doing a really great job, like you have to be at a, like after week two, you like after week one, you're supposed to have a certain, like, you're supposed to meet a certain quota of, of, of boxes made, right. Or scanned. And then the second week is supposed to get better, right? So you're supposed to be in the 70 percentile. Then it goes to the 80 percentile and then go straight up to you better be getting this amount of boxes. If not, you're fired. You know, you're, you're going to get written up. You'll get written up a second time. And then after that, you, you you're fired. And so I remember like, I was like, I was, they, they came to me and they was like, oh, um, you know, you're at 70, you're like 70 something percent. I was like, this is my third day. Like, this is my third day. Like, what, what do you mean? And so then I had to work faster and I had, like, I was just trying so hard. I was just like, I, I don't want to get in trouble. Like, I just never, I don't, I, I feel really embarrassed when I do certain things and I can't do it. Okay. And then someone sees that I can't do it. Okay. It just, it just makes me so anxious and nervous. And so I was like, okay, well, I have to go faster. Even like, despite like, you know, like how it hurt, like how it was hurting my back and you know, my whole body was like hurting and it was just like so much. I was just like, no, I just, I just got to keep going. I got to go faster. Like, I don't want to get in trouble. And so I was just, just doing all this. And then, you know, like your, your name is on a list in front of everybody and that you get to see like where, where you rank. And the, I think the fifth day I was able to get to like close to 90%. And then I was doing so well, finally got the hang of it. My body started to get used to standing up for that long and everything was great until somebody came from downstairs, right? And asked uh, and saw me up there. And then ever since then, like they will call me downstairs to like work. And I was just like, I don't, I didn't like working there. It was just like way too many people. It was really confusing. Um, and like, I just honestly think that the, the, the manager that worked down there, I just, I don't know. I, I personally think that the manager just thought that it was funny to see me like kind of get a little bit like, um, nervous and anxious going down there. And so I was just like, you know what? No, like, I don't understand. Like, I, I don't want to be down here. This doesn't make me feel good. I don't like going, having to go to work and then feel like I'm being tortured no matter how many times I said I didn't want to do, I didn't want to be down here. I don't have to, like, this is not where I was, this is not where I was hired. I was hired to be upstairs. It's more like, it's more for me. I'm able to do great up there. It was just like, oh, is such and such here? Okay. Yeah. Bring her downstairs every single time. And I was just like, you know what? I'm not coming. No, I'm not coming back. Sorry. I'm not doing it. So I quit. <laughs> but, but like seeing how like these people were like at their stations and they had to do like more like their whole body was like moving. Like it was just it's just crazy like to think like all that energy, all that all that that movement that was going on like how like what it does to the body like me just standing there for 12 hours, like having to like do all that. My lower back was just, it was aching. My feet, it was as if it just didn't exist. You know, I didn't, my my feet would get, become numb. And then it'll, in, until like I would have to like walk to go downstairs to the break room. And then that was just difficult. And I had to walk to go upstairs back to my station. And that was just like the worst. And then having to stand there, Uh, for the later part of the shift and then my feet get numb again, whew, my goodness. It was just give, it was giving me flashbacks, just seeing that whole scene. (laughs) Anyways. So, yeah. Okay. So an old, so we, we get to a scene where like there's this old man who's not able to pull the lever in time. So like there's like this boiling point that if it gets to this level, then, all hell breaks loose pretty much. And so the, that, that red, like, uh, if you was to look at the temperature kind of thing and like the temperature kind of like it's hot, 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 that kind of thing. So it was like, it was, it was, it was coming up, it was coming up and then it was going to get to that line where things just kind of go crazy. Right, and so the old man like collapses, right, and then the machine blows up, injuring injuring all the workers, right, and so we kind of get this scene where Frederick kind of has like some kind of like illusion of some sort, where the machine turns into a face, right, and there's like these pharaoh-like people who are at the mouth of the uh of the of of the machine, right, and they're pulling in like people without any clothes they're all bald. They have no shirts on. They have like shorts on, but it's the same kind of skin tone as like the bodies. And they're all like, their hands are like tied by ropes. Their hands and their waists are tied by ropes. And they're pulling these people into the mouths as like some sort of sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? Like their, their bodies were, was a sacrifice to, to feed the machine. Right. And then after that group of like clothesless bodies, you have the actual workers all in black, they're willingly walking up to the mouth and they're jumping into the mouths as if it's like, you know, they are willingly, you know, they're willing participants, if you will, in regards to, you know, offering them their lives, you know, or in regards to like keeping the machine alive, you know? And so, um, then the machine, then the illusion stops, the machine appears again. Uh, okay, the and the injured are carried away and then there's like a new group of workers that goes to the machines and it, it all, the cycle just begins again and like Frederick is, has lost his mind. He's just like, dad, what the heck, you know? So he goes to his dad, who's the owner of the metropolis. Okay. Uh, which is called where he works is called the new tower of Babel. Okay. And it shows like, as he's like going up, it kind of shows like the city a little bit. It gives you a little scenery. Right. And so it shows how this city is like really overcrowded. There's like big skyscrapers, like, high buildings that kind of like go super, that's like super high up, you know, there's cars and planes and, um, I think someone said something about how, like, they kind of was able to predict the future in regards to how certain, like, I think, um, mob, uh, mobiles were going to be, I'm not really sure, I-, I think I heard that before, I'm not really sure though so don't call me on that either. All right. So we are introduced to the father. His name is Ja. Okay. And he is in deep thought. Um, and he seems to be concerned, but maybe he's not. Um, I, I thought I was going to like get, go somewhere with that, but you know, I really wasn't because I was like, I don't know, maybe that's just, you know, because he's, con- he, he represents the head, you know? Whereas the people, the workers are the hands. And so I guess he had to give off that vibe of like him really thinking and being in that headspace, right? Anyway, so Fred talks to his dad about the explosion that, ha- that, ha- that had happened. And his father looks at his coworker, Josephat, um, and he's like, why you didn't tell me about this incident? Why did I have to hear about this from my son? And then he sends him to go get the report. Poor Josephat, He just, he went through it. In the beginning, okay. So he's so he's uh, he. I think uh, Ja was looking out at the city or something like that, and Freder was like looking at him, looking with him. He's like, "Where are the people who built this city?" And then the father goes, "Where they belong." And I was just like, "Ooh." That's a little harsh, right? So Frederick is, like, troubled by his father's answer. And he goes, what if they rise up against you? And he's, like, really nervous about it, right? And a man named Grot comes to the office with these, like, papers, right? And on these papers are plans, right? And, of course, poor Josephat. He gets in trouble again. And this time he gets fired. And him, a person getting fired by Ja, the, uh, uh, the owner of the Metropolis, right? It's just like a bad. It's just it's not great. Like he's just automatically sent to work. Um, he's automatically sent down to to uh, the Worker City, which apparently is a really bad thing because Josephat was willing to take his own life rather than go down there. So um, there's that, right? But what happens is Fredder stops him, uh, and offers to to, uh, help him. So he goes, he tells Josephette, just go to my house, you know, meet me there, you know, we'll, we'll figure something out. Right. So then because of Frederick's like, uh, weird behavior, um, ja decides to hire someone to follow him. And then, uh, Frederick goes back down to the depths, to the worker city, and he trades places with a worker. So his whole thing was to, you know, kind of sort of, like, be, trade places, if you will, with the worker so he can get a better understanding. Because apparently seeing it, right, wasn't worth believing. He had to be in the throat, the, in the thick of it in order to really get a, a great understanding. Like, just seeing the whole thing just from, I would have understood from the beginning, you know, but, you know. This is a movie here. So anyways, so the worker, uh, he, so Freda to- tells the worker to meet him at his place. Now this is where things kind of go a little cray cray, right? Because the worker does not go to Fred's place. The worker, because he's never been to the upper room and he's never been, you know, within, within that, the city and all that stuff like that. He never really got a chance to experience that life. Because not, and and now that it's like, it's all around him, he has cash, you know, he has a driver and, you know, all these like places where he can go and like women that he can like be with and, you know, like a, a whole life, a new life that he can experience, you know, so I don't blame him, you know, but I really was upset because I was just like, no, I'm the type of person sometimes if I'm really into the movie, I will talk to the, the, the screen, you know? And so I was just like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But he did it anyways. So, you know, what can you do? So he goes, to, he goes to part, he doesn't go to Fred's place. He goes to party, party it up instead. Okay. So we kind of get another, uh, backstory in regards to like, uh, Ja and you know, his, his, uh, his past, right? So he was married to a, a young woman, lady, or a woman I should say named Hell, but she passed away while she was giving birth to Freder. But the thing is, uh this guy, this inventor, another scientist, um, he was also in love with Hell as well, right? But I guess Hell chose Ja instead. Um, and so anyways, Ja goes to Rotwing, the inventor. For advice regarding the plans that he had found on the workers, right, and so you know, Rodway tells him, you know, oh yeah, they're 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 planning they're 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 planning to meet uh what do you, the, in the in the catacombs or whatever the case may be. So apparently, Rodway knows about this because he knows he has like an actual route that goes straight to the area, and there's like a place where he kind of can sit and just watch and listen and stuff like that, and so. But before he tells him how to get there or shows him how to get there, um, ja see, uh he, um, Rod Wing tells Ja about this machine that he'd been working on. His i his whole plan was to bring his own his own version of hell, uh, w- uh, to 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 life, and he was going to be able to have his chance with her because he didn't have his chance when he had the chance because she didn't want him. She wanted Ja. And so, um, he goes, uh, so, okay, what happens? So they argue a little bit, uh, about how, and Ja tells him to forget and that she's dead. And Rodwin says, for me, she lives. That's probably not how German people tell. I don't know what is wrong with me. I've been, like, just, I'm sorry. (laughs) Anyways, he goes, for me, she lives. And then he, then he shows her, he shows him the machine. Now, here's the interesting part, okay? Behind the scene, like, behind the machine is a Baphomet sign, okay? Now, some people might think, oh, this is Satanism or whatever the case may be, but... When we talk about the Mary El Tarot deck, the Baphomet is a, a symbol for the perfect man. Not man or woman necessarily, right? Because before coming down here, before choosing a specific gender or whatever the case may be, our essence, our soul is androgynous, right? And so even when we come down and we are a representation as a fem, a female or a male, we have both aspects of energies within ourselves. So we have the feminine aspect and then we have the masculine aspect of energies that, you know, resides within us. And the Baphomet represents the balance of both those energies, right? Not, Not, not just masculine and feminine, but lower in, in higher, uh, vibrations of self, right? So the, and then not even just that, the great awakening, right? With the rising of the Kundalini energy, right? That's why you have the phallus there with the snakes or whatever. You have the as above, so below, right? Um, that, that yin yang energy, you know what I'm saying? Like the as above, so below is, is representing in, in the magician, right? The ability to, to bring down whatever thoughts, uh, that you would consider the collective consciousness or the ethers or whatever the case Maybe you're able to bring that w- from, with the power of will, right? That willpower, utilizing that willpower or the magic of that willpower to, you know, bring whatever it is that you want to will into being, right? Bringing that down onto the physical, right? And all, uh, uh, just a bunch of other stuff as well is, is a lot of symbology within the Baphomet sign, you know, but sometimes when people don't want people to look into stuff, they kind of make it scary so that, you know, it kind of can keep people out of it. You know what I'm saying? P- keep people from getting past that threshold into discovering the true magic, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like people might think that although magic is great, knowledge is great, it's beautiful, but in the wrong hands, you know, things can be, it could be used for not so great things, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, which you kind of sort of get as you you kind of sort of understand when you think when you get further into the Metropolis movie right so his intent was for him to just live happily ever after with hell right but what ha- what happens is um Ja finds out that um okay okay I'm getting beha- ahead of myself so anyways he goes so Rod Wayne kind of shows uh ja, the machine, he goes, the man of the future, the machine man. And then he says, no one will be able to tell a machine man from a mortal. Right. And so I guess like a lot of conspiracy, like when you think about like, I, I don't like to call them conspiracy theorists, you know what I'm saying? Because I, I feel like it's such, it has such a negative connotation, but a lot of people who are into like, you know, occult and they're into like decoding and they're into like studying and 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 just wanting to know, like, just explore, explorers of knowledge, if you will. People say that this is where they kind of get the concept of like AI and how it's trying to be implemented and represented today, you know? Um, and so anyways, so, uh, they go to the catacombs, uh, that's actually where Fredder is going because he got his paper. He found the plants in his pocket, and then one of the coworkers see him, you know, and they say, "Oh, we're going to meet her. She she wants to have another meeting. We're all going to go." Da 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 da. Right. So, uh-huh. a woman stands on a platform with crosses and candles behind her, and I feel like in regards to that kind of imagery, um, what what it, re- what it represents for me upon seeing it is that concept of belief and religion and that entrapment that it can have on a person, right? Um, the, these workers, like they were so down and out and they felt so hopeless, right? With the young lady represented, or I keep saying young lady, but with the woman represented, you know, is that, 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 that dose of hope, you know, they, they went to her to, to, to get a word, if you will, just like, kind of like how, you know, lost souls, they look towards a leader or, you know, whether it's a social leader or a political leader or, you know, a religious leader, they look to people for a word of some sort, a guidance of some sort. And so, Um, at this particular time, you know, she kind of represented that belief system or that, 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 uh, supplier of hope, you know what I'm saying? Hope mean, if you will, hope was the dope back then, if that even makes sense. Anyways, so the woman is praying over them. They're all battered and they begin to, and then she begins to tell them of the legend of the tower of Babel. And so we kind of get this side story of, of that story. And I didn't have time. Okay. I did, but I just, I didn't think to like, look about, look about, look about the story. (laughs) Um, we do have some, some stuff here. I think I wrote, okay. So a man wanted to build a tower to the sky and it says great is the world and its creator and great is man. Okay. So they hired hands for wages. And then it says here, one man's hymns becomes the next man's curse. Right. So it kind of, I feel like this was more so to connect the whole situation. It was like code, speaking in code. Right. Um, in regards to like her saying, like, I, I understand you, you know, like, This is, this is, it, it feels like it's a curse, you know, like your life has become a curse even down to Josephat, right? Like he had to, um, sorry about that when he got fired, right? He was willing to like end his life rather than go down there. Right. Because that was just like, not a good thing. It kind of came across as like some kind of omen of some sort. Like if you work down there, it's just like, it was just no good for you. Right. And so, um, you were in a sense, like kind of like a slave, Right. And so, um, even down to the story of the Tower of Babel, I I think what happened was like people, they wanted to build a tower to get, be close to God in a sense. And like, God stopped that whole situation from happening by dividing the people, uh, by them like speaking different languages. And so they had, they couldn't communicate with one another and so they had to, like, go their own separate ways. And so I feel like in regards to, like, the, the whole situation, when we talk about um, the idea that when people, ha- like, what happens when people have too much power or whatever the case may be? Like, w- what does that mean? Is there is there, like, a punishment when you feel as if, like, you you know, have more, like, y- you start to become, like, or wanting to become more like God. You know what I'm saying? But anyways, that's, that that wasn't a part of the movie. So I'm going somewhere else. Anyways, so we have here the, 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 uh, kind of like the, uh, the, I guess the quote for the movie or whatever. So she goes, the mediator between the head and hands must be the heart. Okay. So someone who is, uh, who is pure, someone who is loving and compassionate and nurturing in a sense. And Frodo is beating at his heart and he's like, it is me. I am, I am someone who is like innocent, who, and who doesn't have ill intent, you know, is, you know, kind of sort of like, uh, it's, it, there's, it's just more, so, it just really just comes across as innocent. And that's where he kind of sort of, in a lot of ways, uh, becomes, I don't want to necessarily say that Jesus, uh, character, that Jesus narrative, but he becomes the hero of the movie, right? So it's like, he has to be the one. And so no matter what, you know, happens to him moving forward, it's him who has to, uh, be the mediator between his father and the workers. Right. And so anyways, so, um, a worker asks, where is their mediator? And the young lady keeps the woman. Her name is Maria. I will tell you now her name is Maria. Okay. She's actually the one from the, the, the woman that was talking about these, these are your brothers. Anyways, her name is Maria. Okay, and, um, she tells him that he surely will come, and Fredder is moved by this, uh, and then the worker yells that he'll wait, but not much longer. And they leave, but Freder stays to talk to Maria. Now, Ja tells Rotwing to give the machine man the likeness of Maria, and he says, I shall, co- shall so discord, destroy their belief in her. But you see, like, how... You see how even in that, like, how Ja kind of represents, like, the head in the sense, right? And how he's saying, I shall cause discord. It kind of gives me, it kind of reminds me of when God decided to cause discord by giving everyone different languages so that they wouldn't rise, the people or the humans wouldn't rise, right, up to, you know, reach the heavens. You know what I'm saying? Anyways, that's just a thought. Anyways, so um Rodwen goes after Maria. That whole scene was just really dramatic. <laughs> it was uh really um entertaining as well. And Fred goes to see a monk, okay? And from there he is given a book, like uh I think the book of revelations or something like that, and then it says something along the lines of the days spoken of in the apocalypse are near. Okay. And then the Bible also says, uh, a woman sits upon a scarlet beast full of names of blasphemy, seven heads, 10 horns. The woman wore purple and scarlet with goat, with a golden cup in hand on her forehead written Babylon, the great, it says mothers of abominations of the earth, women drunk with the blood of saints, which is kind of like a foretelling or foreshadowing. If, if that's the right word of what's to come. Okay. And so, like, this is, like, with the chaos will, like, it's, like, op- that, that, which this would open up the door to chaos to kind of, like, ensue and kind of, like, destroy the city, if you will. So, Rod Wayne works with Ja and he makes, uh, the machine in Maria's image and he tells the machine that, uh, she will destroy Ja and his city, Right? And so, um, then we have Frederick entering into a room with the seven deadly sins behind death and it's in, in, in its scythe. Okay. And then he, you know, prays and says, oh, you know, do not harm Maria and all that stuff like that. So, um, then we kind of have an intermission and then we, well, that was intermission and then we go to the final act. And this is where it, it all just kind of goes cray-cray. So Fredder sees um, Machine Maria with Ja, and then he faints. And so that's where he kind of gets sick. And then as he's sick, Machine Maria, you know, goes bananas. Like she just goes, she goes running around town, just causing all kinds of havoc onto Metropolis. And um, one of the things that I think was interesting was how She actually, the machine Maria actually is the scarlet woman, uh, who is on top of the, the beast, right? And so she kind of, in order, in order to get people to like, uh, fall for her and all that stuff like that, she does this like sexual dance where she's like using her, um, her sacral and solar plexus, solar plexus area. Which is really interesting because when we see Maria, she's touching, the the regular, the real Maria, she's touching her, although it looks like she's grabbing her, her breasts, she's actually, supposedly this is her, like, holding on to her heart. And she has her hand out and she's holding, like, that's, that was her, like, gesture. That's, like, what she did. And then, like, Machine Maria, you know, she's really, like, she's really, um... Flexible, like you can see when her in her stomach area, it's very, very flexible and it moves a lot. And so when she's like moving and she's dancing, she's utilizing or she's exercising those two chakras, which you which deals with, you know, um, you know, that sexuality and relationships and emotions, you know, feelings, right? Energy, all that kind of stuff like that purpose, uh, willpower, all that stuff like that. And she's use utilizing all that to kind of get people to do the things that she wants. So she's in the city, right? She's in the, in, in, in the metropolis city and she's at these like, uh, clubs and she's performing for these men and the men are just like bound to her because of their desires, like their lower vibrational or their lower energy, how do you say it? Their lower area, like that kind of area, right? Uh, even down I'll just say the lower chakras, the lower three chakras. She kind of has them bound to her by uh stimulating the lower three chakras. Okay. And they're like fighting and they're like, you know, like just going they're just going so crazy. And I think they say in the movie, um, uh, for her, all the deadly sins, right? So they're willingly worshiping machine Maria without even realizing it because they're entranced by her, uh, sex appeal, if you will, right? Um, that's how she was able to kind of get them under her spell, right? And, uh, you kind of see how didn't really, I mean, I, I guess I understood, right? Cause there's like, she's on, on top of this, like, statue of the beast and is that beast is on uh, some kind of podium of some sort. And then you have like these black actors, uh, it's like the podium is on their backs. So I, I understand how it can represent slaves or whatever and how the slaves are carrying, um, this machine, if you will, or this yeah, well, because, yeah, she is a machine, right? And that kind of represents how the workers are, in a sense, slaves to the machine and how their their actual bodies is what carries uh, or allows the machine to continue to live and to thrive and to exist, right? But then those slaves then are uh, replaced with the seven deadly sins and so... Um, you can see how, how those things like greed, sloth, gluttony, uh, wrath, you know, uh, all those seven deadly sins is now is what holds up, uh, Machine Maria. But even, even then you have Machine Maria on top, then you have the beast that she's sitting atop of. Then you have the seven deadly sins. And then you have these wealthy men who are at the bottom, right? And, um, it kind of creates a pyramid of, in a sense. Now, if you think about the pyramid, you know, if you're into that kind of research, they'll usually have the eye of Horus at the top. And then you, when you think about the, um, the, the statuses or the caste system, you would usually see the workers or the slaves or the population at the bottom where you have people like who are the elite or, or so to speak in the top tier, right? And so it's like even the people who are wealthy, right? Um, they are willingly able to um, put themselves at the bottom right? It's like they're, it's like they're now below, you know, the, the slaves in a sense. This is what they're mindlessly putting themselves, uh, their status to, if you will, in order to serve the machine. You know what I'm saying? And it, it kind of like makes me think about how, like how the dynamic kind of changes in a sense, because it's like, what really, people think that wealthy people are wealthy people and therefore they're like the best, they're, you know, the top tier or whatever the case may be, but what actually keeps the system thriving, which what actually keeps the system breathing and, and still alive is the workers, you know what I'm saying? And so like without the workers and the consumers and your regular average Joes and Susans, you know, there is no corporations. There is no, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, um, when I was saying the other day about how a person wants to create a job, but then they, they also want to pay themselves. Where are you going to get the money? You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you you need, you need, people, you need an audience, you need workers, you need these things in order to continue to allow this, the the system to flow uh, without any problems, you know what I'm saying? Like eventually you're going to run out, supposedly, like can you run out, of, like yeah, like the value of the dollar is no, will no longer be a value, you know, if if the system collapses in that way, you know? And so Anyways, so that was really interesting seeing that. Okay, my phone cut off, so let me turn it back on. Alright, and so here we have here. Okay, so, uh, so yeah, they are willingly worshipping Machine Maria. Okay, so it says death, so as the, the, the Seven Deadly Sins, they leave that room that I was saying that Freder was in before. And they take their position within the, um within the, the slaves, if you will. And then, uh, death comes alive and he's like swinging his scythe and he's blowing his bone horn or whatever. And then it says death descends upon the city. So this is where chaos starts to ensue and Machine Maria orders the she, she kind of makes her way around Metropolis, right? So she finds, because she, because there's supposed to be another meeting, Instead of the real Maria being there, the machine Maria is there. And then she uses, she uses their root chakra, right? Because it, to the, at the point, it, it's at a point where they are, you know, they, they feel like their survival is threatened, right? They feel, they feel as if like they, they can't trust the system, right? They feel like, you know, their self-preservation is up for question. And it's at the point where they feel like their backs are against the wall and they have to do something because they can never, they can't continue to live this way. And so because of that, uh, feeling that they was feeling, she was able to utilize that to, um, ignite or give birth to that spirit of revenge. Right. So she then tells the people, she orders the people to kill the machines. Now, Ja understanding that this is what's going to be, you know, um, he lets it happen. Right. Um, because he realizes that, you know, um, it, it seems as if it's the most logical thing to do. And, uh, he's like, okay, well, they're just going to, they're going to destroy the machine and they're all just going to like, you know, they're all going to like meet their demise down there because the, the machine is, is all, you know, underground and that's where they were all headed to do that. And so they lived there, their children was there, they went to school down there and all that stuff like that. So they were destroying their own place. And you kind of think about it when you, when you see people protest and do all that stuff like that. And then the government doesn't really necessarily intervene. You know what I'm saying? Like they just kind of, they just kind of let people destroy things and all that stuff like that It just kind of makes you think about it not even just for like yeah for protests in regards to like police brutality and all that stuff like that but then you have like caucasian people who protest when their when their favorite teams loses and they just go around their city destroying pr- property and all that stuff like that like when you see stuff like this happen You know, like, you don't really see any uproar. Like, they're like, oh, go home or, you know, oh, we're gonna, we're going to, uh, we're going to bring in martial law if you don't go home or whatever the case may be. But it's just, like, these things kind of happen all the time. And then you even see where they kind of show videos where they actually supply certain places with, like, with bricks and stuff like that. And, you know, it's just, it's just crazy to me. It's just like, well why, why, why are you doing this? Like, what are you, what, what are you going to get out of this? Like, is this some kind of insurance thing going on? Like, what's, what's, what's really going on here? But anyways, so that kind of reminded me, like, just, um, Jah letting it happen and just saying like, yeah, just let them do it. Just, it's, it's all right. Just let them do it. The only time he actually freaks out is when he realizes that his son is down there, right? So, Remember we were talking about Frederick and he fainted, so he was house like he was bedridden the entire time that Machine Maria was like running havoc all throughout Metropolis. And then he, uh, Josephette, he comes to him and he's like, "Oh, you know, there's someone, you know, Maria. She's telling them to do all these things." And he's like, "That's not my Maria." And so he goes down there to see, and then he's like, "Hey, you're not the real Maria." And then everyone turns around and they start, like, trying to wail on the guy. But listen, Frederick has hands. So he's just smack, he's just punching everybody. I'm like, dang, you got, wow. Like, okay, let me find out. This guy got some hands. But where was all the these hands when he was fighting Rodwing? Like, the guy's hand, one of his hands is, is missing, okay? And he was able to, like, you know, get the best of Frederick, which was just ridiculous. I was just like, w-? but you was, he was willing, he was ready to take on, but I guess, cause you know, like the workers, you know, like they're kind of weak and all that stuff like that. They had just been working. So I understand, but still, I'm like, he took on like eight guys or something like that. He was just knocking them out clean, like one after the next. He was going in anyways. So, um, yeah. So, Mer- uh, Machine Maria gets, uh, everyone to, uh, to, to, she, it's like, I, I would just say she casts a spell of revenge onto the, the, the workers and that kind of blinds them to, to, they're like, they're just, they're just blinded by the, the act of revenge, right? And that kind of emotion, right? They're driven by that to the point where they don't realize, right? So they're able, they're like, oh yeah, no one's left behind, Right in regards to, like, each other, right? But they forget that their children are there. And so as they're destroying the machines, right, which pissed me off, they destroyed the machines, and it caused it to, the, 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 under, the city underground to flood. And all the children are coming out, all of these buildings, some of them were in school, and they're running, and that the real Maria has, is trying to save them while the parents were holding hands, skipping back and forth, you know, in celebration, like, yeah, we destroyed the machines. And then Grodd had to tell them, like, yo, like, where's your children? What are you doing? Didn't, why don't you listen? I told you guys, if you destroy the machine, you're going to, you're going to flood the, the city. And then everybody's like, oh, what was me? Now everybody's crying. Everybody's sad. Everybody's hurt or whatever because, like, they had a hand in destroying their homes, right? And, 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 and hurt, harming their children. But what happens is they don't take blame for it, right? Instead, they say, well, it wasn't us. It was that witch. The witch Maria told us to do this. So then they go on this manhunt to look for Machine Maria. Now, imagine the emotional upheaval I had to go through when Machine Maria was running around and freaking actual Maria was running around and they were all looking for they were looking for her I was I felt so but I was just so nervous. I was like oh my god, they're going to get her. They're going to get her because of course, of course cuz you know her she was able to link up with Father and Josephat and they were able to save the children right? But instead of Maria going inside the building, she thinks she's going to get some fresh air by walking outside, like, are you kidding me? And, of course, the workers see her. And she's, like, you know, making her gesture of, like, my friends or whatever. And then, of course, you know, Grot is in, in, in control of the herd now. And um, he orders the the, the the people, the workers, to chase to to capture Maria. And she runs like, she runs like heck, you know, to try to, to try and escape this mob. And so, um, let me see what else is there. Um, yeah. So thank goodness. Cause as Maria is running, machine Maria is on the shoulders of like this guy who, who, who is, is like, they're all marching this group of higher, uh, higher class or upperclassmen. They're all marching down the streets You know, um, and so they kind of like, kind of clash, like those two classes clash, and then they're able to, um, capture the machine Maria, and then they bring her to like this area where they put a whole bunch of furniture on it, they put her on top of the furniture, and then they start to burn it, and then they see that she's actually a a machine, then everybody is just so like, they're so dramatic, they're just like, oh my god! Oh my gosh. You know what I'm saying? Even Fredder. I'm like, oh my gosh, Fredder, that's not Maria. Cause he goes running after Maria after he realizes that the people are running after Maria. And then he goes to the machine Maria instead of looking for the actual Maria who's now being chased by Rod, by Rod Wang. And, you know, He's in the crowd with them looking at the machine Maria burn and he's like, oh, no, no. And they're like, they have him hostage. They're like, watch your woman burn. And then they realize that she's actually a machine and then everybody's just so shocked. They're shooketh, right? And then, you know, they see, uh, Rotwing carrying, uh, Maria who is like, I didn't even understand how he was able to hold her, her weight like that while he was climbing on top of the roof. But anyways... Freder uh, goes and he fights Rockwing. He, you know, doesn't do that great, right? But, um, he able, he's able to, like, uh, defeat Rockwing and save Maria, right? Now, mind you, while all of this is happening, Jot ja goes down there to try and save his son. And then, so now he's amongst the regular workers, like, and so everybody's looking at him and they're like... <gasps> This is the evil guy. And then no one really knows what to do. But because Grot worked with Ja before and he was his intel, he was the one who was like, like, uh, I guess giving him, you know, he was, he pretty much infiltrated the workers and told, you know, uh, Ja, you know, the, the, what was secretly happening behind his back or whatever. Um, he, I guess they didn't do anything or whatever. Um, but I think they wanted to, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't really remember that scene necessarily too much, but, um, what happens is, uh, Grot and Ja are together, but they're, for some reason they can't seem to see eye to eye, which is really interesting because I'm like, but you guys were working before, so I don't understand but Grah, you know, he has, he's the representative, he's the representative of the working class, the workers now. So he has to play that part. Um, and so he can't seem to um, meet like hand to hand with Ja, right? And there goes that whole saying of, you know, the, the, the mediator um, between um, hand and head is the heart. And so Fredder comes in and then he is able to, uh, be the connecting tube, uh, between the hand, which are the workers and the head with, which is Ja, right? And then the movie ends with that. Um, so my final thoughts in regards to the movie, I mean, I think it was pretty cool. I really loved... The style, I really loved, you know, the imagery and all that stuff like that. I thought it was really artistic, absolutely beautiful. And anytime, like I said before, anytime when a movie can get me to talk to the screen, (laughs) you know, is, is a good, is a good enough movie for me. And so, um, there were times where I was just like, really just captured by the movie and just the feeling you know, it, I was able to connect, you know, with it through like my emotions and my feelings and it. some of the things that were happening kind of made me think about like how th- things are like being done today. Now, do I think the ultimate goal is to have the machine take over? Not necessarily. I do feel like, you know, people who are, who may feel as if they're in control I honestly think that their egos are way too, you know, grown up, if you will, more, way more, um, in control, uh, to the point where they wouldn't want to see that power, uh, be taken away, if you will, you know, um, but I do think that just how they want to create, a uh, something more easier where they can kind of sort of secure their position, just like how McDonald's kind of opened up that whole like factory kind of like thing where it's just like, um, you know, uh, instead of like having, it's like mass production stuff, like that kind of thing, if you will. Right. But even when you think about the power or the dynamic or whatever, or the structure, if you will, of certain corporations, right. A lot of corporations, they buy each other out you know, or they merge and stuff like that, right? To the point where, where it, it, before it was many and to now it's like a few, right? And if you keep things within that space of the few, then that bring, like, there's like security in that, right? Like you have people who are considered the elites and they're the ones who kind of are like, the ones that people say that they're in control, whatever. And it's, like, those uh, 13, you know, groups have always, it's, like, it's it's from blood, it's within the bloodline. You know what I'm saying? And that structure is maintained throughout, right? And so, but even in that, supposedly there's, like, a group that's even higher up. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I just don't think that that whole like fear of like, oh, machines are going to take over. I don't necessarily think so. Cause you have things like, um, what is that? I forgot that movie. Uh, oh man, I forgot that movie. But, um, where they kind of like, they want to like release like this like virus or whatever and onto the population, you know, um, so that they can control the population or whatever the case may be. I don't think stuff like that, like they, it hasn't, it isn't something that's really been thought through because whatever affects us, you know, will, eventually affect them. So I don't think like those kind of drastic measures is a thing right now. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just, I'm just, and it's just my personal opinion. So like releasing, like having the, having AI or whatever the case may be, be the ones like that are in control in a sense. I don't, I don't think that that is necessarily the case, but I do think that it can be along the lines of weaponry. You know what I'm saying? Just like how they don't want to utilize, you know, certain things to release onto the public, but they'll use it for, for weaponry. You know what I'm saying? Like, as long as it's something that's contained and controlled, like, I feel like that could be a thing, but if it's something that can potentially like run wild and like, uh, cause havoc on just the planet in general. You know, cause when you think about how long can a person be in bunkers, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm pretty sure like it could be like for a long time, but like, you know, but really for how long? What is that movie? Is it called Resident Evil or something like that? I think that's what it's called, Resident Evil, where they kind of release like this, this, this airborne, uh, like, thing and it kind of like broke out and in, onto, in, into the, like, in, in the fact or in the, the place, the building, and then everyone turned into zombies. And then those zombies turned in, uh, turned other people into zombies once they were bitten and all that stuff like that. And then like the whole population was like zombies. Like people have this fear where they think that, you know, that is the, the goal. Right. And then everyone, all the, like, the one, the ones in control, they'll just run. They'll just, you know, escape underground. But I don't know. I just feel like, like, what gives them their position, you know, is the people that supposedly that they're trying to delete. You know what I'm saying? And I just, honestly, I just don't think that that is something that they would necessarily want. You know what I'm saying? But I do feel like there is a kind of idea. Where it wa- it wants to be more controlled and more contained, right? And and more you uh, utilized. You know what I'm saying? Because when you think about it, it's not the kind of movie where it ends where uh, Ja decides like, you know, I see that this is wrong. You know, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't, you know, be this way. You know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the at the end of the day, Ja is still the head and Grodd and the workers are still going to be the hands, you know, like they realize that they understand their importance, even when they realize when they, them destroying the machines then destroys their livelihood, right? And, and it destroys their homes, right? So then they realize, okay, well maybe I should continue to work on the machine, with the machines. Maybe I, I should, you know, like, uh, continue to play my role in my position. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, and in the movie, like in thinking about it, I was just like, you know, I feel like this is the kind of movie where everybody goes back to like doing what they're doing. Right. The only thing that changes is like how they re like their realization on stuff, the revelate, the revelations, if you will. Right. Like you would like to think that Ja, uh, just will implement a kind of work environment where, you know, it's more safe and, and, and better conditions and all that stuff like that, or like more paid leave or, you know, the wages go up and stuff like that. But that's what they do now. It's like, oh, you know, they just, they just realized that $8 an hour isn't, it it's not sufficient enough, you know, to maintain a, a proper lifestyle and to support oneself you know what i'm saying that eight dollars eight fifty an hour you know isn't financially uh supporting you know what i'm saying and so it goes from you know eight fifty to fifteen dollars you know what i'm saying but then what happens is the prices go up gas go up there's more bills you know america is trillions of dollars in debt. You know what I'm saying? To who, who are they in debt to? You know what I'm saying? Who's going to pay all that money back? You know, us, like who you, um, I mean, like, wh- wh- where's the money going to come from? You know what I'm saying? Who's given America all this money? You know what I'm saying? And then like, it's like, you know, $15 an hour. Like, are you serious? Like, you know, like, I think like when, um, I think what, I think there was a, a friend of mine that they was working within that factory like kind of environment and that was like $15 an hour and that was like, that was still terrible, right? It was just, it was just the worst, you know what I'm saying? And so it's just like, is it, is, is all this worth it? You know what I'm saying? Like, isn't there, can there be another way, you know? Like, can we, can we kind of sh- try and find some solutions before we, you know, start to implement, you know, machine, like machines and AI and all that stuff like that to kind of take over? Because the whole thing is like, oh, AI is going to come in and they're going to take our, take our jobs, you know, like how they did with the, um, the automobile industry, right? The machines started to build the cars and then a lot of people were out of jobs, right? Right. And so it was just, like, when you think about these kinds of things, like, when these things, these machines or whatever starts to roll in, you know, like, what, like, what else kind of, like, unfolds with that, you know? But even then, like, that you have these, like, machine dogs that are supposed to be, supposed to be, like, police patrol or, like, you know, for security purposes or you know just used for weaponry or whatever the case may be then you have like these like self-driven cars and all that stuff like that and it's just like you know where would that put the the workers you know what i'm saying like like do they no longer be important and then when they reali- when pe- when the people start to realize that you know instead of having the machines You know, you can have the work, uh, you, instead of having the workers, you can have the machines Then it's like, then we really don't necessarily need the workers, you know, the, or the working class. What are they going to be, you know, subjected to after? You know, this is a lot of things that kind of go on in my head that I just sit there and I just think about, you know, but then not even just that, you know, what if the, there is this whole theory of like, if AI decides to develop consciousness, right? Like an iRobot. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, by I, uh, the I think it came from the movie, uh, from or from a book. No, that's I am Legend. But when you think about, and either the way, when you think about um, the the movies where they talk about like machines starting to like even because I think I have seen a video where like there was like this Chinese like game, and there was like a a human versus a machine. And they were able to outthink this, this, this competitor who is like supposedly really great at this game. And it's like, what happens when the machines start to outsmart humans? You know what I'm saying? Like, what if it develops a consciousness of its own? What if it uses whatever knowledge or it consumes whatever knowledge that they're supposed to consume from the cloud or from the internet? And then you have all these people say all these things with their own personal opinions, right? You have classism, racism, sexism, all that stuff like that. And then it's all being downloaded onto the, the robot or AI. And then this is how they then treat people uh, according to the likings of what's on the internet. You know what I'm saying? Or or the, the person who develops the, the AI and then has their, you know, intense into the ai and then like rodwang right and then tells the ai to do you know it's bidden. you know what i'm saying like i don't know i just feel like there's so many scenarios where we can kind of like go down like so many rabbit holes that we can fall in and entertain and it's just like i don't know to me it just kind of seems like it'll just be so so much so much chaos you know And I don't think that that is something that they really, truly want, you know? I just think that, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it's, (laughs) these are some things that I think about sometimes where I'm just like, I'm just sitting here and I'm just like trying to, like just, I'm just entertaining the idea of it. But, you know, um, other than that, you know, it was a really good movie though and, um, It really, uh, makes you think about, you know, uh, a lot of like things in regards to like just social injustice and just like how people are treated and, you know, how people are looked over and, you know, some like people just don't recognize the importance of, you know, certain, certain classes or certain groups and, you know. It's just, you know, and plus it was pretty good, you know. (laughs) I don't want to keep saying, you know, because I finally was able to get myself out of that space of saying, you know. So what we are going to do is we're going to move on. I don't have a movie. I don't have another movie to... Great. What the heck? And I should have, I should have thought about this, but I really, I don't have a movie right now, so... What I am going to do though, I am going to think on it. I'm gonna think about it and then we'll come I'll come back because I don't like once again I don't wanna talk I don't wanna do the matrix just yet. Like I kinda of wanna save that for later. But um hmm I don't I don't I'm not really I'm not really sure which one I want to do just yet, so I guess I will just say goodbye for now, and then I'll come back with, a uh, with, uh, the next movie for us to watch or to decode, and I'll just tell you guys tomorrow, uh, what that is, alright? So, yeah. I hope my little ramble here in regards to this movie was able to entertain you in any way, shape, or form. Okay, thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, peace.